0: buy muskoka for muskoka your collection of muskoka-based talk shows muskoka magazine the bay 887. brought to you by dairy lane dental keeping muskoka smiling for over 30 years visit oh. dairylanedental.com
1: you're listening to the riding report with your host jeff carter
0: And welcome to The Writing Report. I'm Jeff Carter and with me again today is MPP Norm Miller, the MPP in the Provincial Legislature representing paris sound muskoka Norm, well welcome back for another, another edition of The Writing Report. And there's a lot of things happening. And uh, I think most uh, notably is the invasion of Ukraine. I know that's not... Anything to do uh, specifically with with your job? But I know the Premier uh, made a speech, uh, I think, uh, last night about the invasion.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And it's great to be here. And yeah, that should be top of mind because uh, it's a huge, huge event, uh, Russia invading Ukraine. There's a lot of Ukrainian people in Ontario and in Canada as well. I didn't realize that we are one of the favorite places to come to, but... Yeah, it's it's really sad and it's it's scary, and especially if you happen to be in Ukraine. But I mean, it's kind of the way the Second World War started when uh, Germany. I think it was. I might get my history a bit. Don't hold me to this, but they. I think they invaded Czechoslovakia Sudetenland and nobody did anything about it Mm -hmm. and then it just kept moving from there and you know who knows what's going to happen here but it's it's terrible that uh, a a democratic country is being taken you know taken over by a dictatorship basically and i think we should do everything we can to support the ukrainian people Mm -hmm. and now you know what can people do well, I guess raise awareness, show that, show the, the government, our government, that we support Ukrainians is, you know, I think a way of motivating the federal government, who it's mainly the federal government, to do everything they can in their power to support the Ukrainian people, whether that means getting arms into Ukraine area. You know, I hear about this financial things like SWIFT. I, I don't pretend to fully understand it, but it sounds like it's a fairly significant measure to t- be taken. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we should be taking all measures possible to support the the, the, the government and people of Ukraine at, at this time and, and uh, certainly, uh, certainly on my thoughts anyway.
0: Right. Yes, well, there's not much... Unfortunately, we can do, hopefully, the federal government will step up and play a bigger role than what they've already said they're going to do. I know that, you know, the province of Ontario stands behind the Ukrainian people. So um, just want to bring that up because that is the big news. And um, something that we've all been looking forward to is March the 1st with uh, the relaxing of more public health rules. And uh, I understand that masking is maybe still not on the table. But there are another, a number of things that are happening on March the 1st. Can you give us an update of what your government's uh, up
1: to? Sure. The government had a plan to come out of COVID and, and it was bumped up a little bit, moved ahead. The time frame was moved ahead a, a little bit, mainly because the, the, the trend has been very positive. I know I had the, up, uh, the um, bi-weekly uh, update from Dr. Gardner from Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit yesterday and he was fairly optimistic and, and the trend is heading in the right direction. I know I check the hospital and ICU numbers pretty much every day and we're down to about a thousand people in hospital and I think it was around 300 in the ICU. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging and the, and the province has had a plan to get out of COVID and get back to normal. I know everybody, including myself, is very frustrated with Mm -hmm. all the restrictions. But basically, as of March 1st, uh, pretty much all the restrictions, the, the great majority of them, except for masking that are controlled by the provincial government are coming off. And I know I've watched uh, some of the doctors talking about masking. There seem a bit more gray area as to when that makes sense. And I think even if it's, if the province tomorrow said masking is coming off, it'll, it'll probably be some individuals and individual businesses that may decide to keep it for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, when we went, when we came into wearing mask, I remember the first time I wore it into a grocery store, it felt so strange to do so, to wear a mask going into a grocery store. And I suspect it might be the same coming off that it might feel d- unusual to, to not have it on. But, uh, you know, we, I think we all look forward to getting back mm-hmm. to normal. And it's because there's 90% of the population vaccinated with at least one dose and all the other measures that were in this pretty good state now.
0: Right. Now, um, as far as the other big uh, public health uh, issue is proof of vaccination, that whole thing is disappearing on March the 1st, right?
1: That's correct. Yes. I think the great majority, most of the the, the requirements from the provincial government and as of uh, March 1st, uh, uh, you know, so that's, uh, I think that's a positive thing.
0: All right. Now, there's been a lot of news the last couple of weeks. And of course, the uh, the war in, in the Ukraine has sort of upended all of that. But uh, just yesterday, I believe, or the day before, there was an announcement of uh, more funding uh, for schools and in particular students um, to help them sort of get caught up, right?
1: Yeah, so there the the annual funding for the uh, for schools came out and and uh, I think that's the grants for student need is the main funding that's right. uh, model and for our riding it's you know there's basically increases across the board. You know, near North District School Board was 144 million last year and it's 149 million this year. Trillium Lakelands was 207 million last year and it's 218 million. This year, but I think some of the more innovative and needed funding Especially coming out of COVID is a big increase in uh, funding for tutoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called the Learning Recovery Action Plan. So there's 175 million being directed towards small group tutoring uh, to help students who have obviously been affected by all the mm-hmm. of COVID the last two so years. So
0: that's going to be you know on weekends, after school, through the summer, right through until December. That's right?
1: correct. So it's during school, after school, weekends, and in the summer. And I think that could be really beneficial for individual students. And there's also a significant increase in mental health funding for it, and that's true around our writing. I looked at the numbers for for the school boards that affect our riding and as an example, uh Trillium Lakelands was nine hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars in mental health funding, it's now one point one million and uh Simca Muskoka Catholic was nine hundred and forty-two thousand and it's now one point three million, so significant increases again, again recognizing, especially because of the effects of COVID nineteen mm-hmm. on on uh, students.
0: All right, well, let's talk about uh another bit of news that came across, I think at the beginning of the week, uh was uh Bill 75, your private members bill. Was, I'm kind of surprised. Where were you? What? Bill 76, I think the, it was. I think it was. All right, well, <laughs> Bill 76, I I'm, I'm I'm one behind. Um the the um what's it called? Life jackets for a life act. Now, I'm kind of surprised that We don't have a law already saying that you know children should be made to wear
1: uh, life jackets when they're in a boat, and that is the biggest reaction I've had from almost uh, from a lot of people I've talked to, including when I when I was uh, trying to establish which which ministry in the government of Ontario might this might fall under, and the the answer is not really any ministry. So I approached the uh, the Attorney General. Doug Downey and uh, asked him you know told him about the bill and he said and he that said is you mean it's not already the law and then I approached this solicitor General Sylvia Jones and she said you mean it's not already the law and then when you look at the states pretty much every every state in the United States uh, including New Hampshire whose motto is live free or die and doesn't require motorcycle helmets and doesn't require seat belts. They require kids 12 and under to wear a life jacket in a boat. So, uh, you know, I, I was re- really pleased to bring the bill forward and had second reading debate in the legislature. And it was a pretty, pretty good debate, I thought. I had some uh, some good comments from the NDP members from the north, like France Gelinas from Sudbury and Joe Bisson from up in Timmins, whose father drowned fishing. That was the story he told uh, in the in the debate. Um and uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty civilized debate. In fact, one of the our resources for the bill was Kara McNulty from the Ottawa area. She's a lawyer there. Her 11-year-old son, Joshua, drowned when his, the boat overturned that he was in and he didn't have a life jacket on. So mm-hmm. she she created Life Jackets for Life, a petition, and we asked if we could borrow that name for this bill. And Kara uh, sent me a note after the bill, after the, after the debate, you know, very positive about the debate etc thinking she might like like to run for office if it was always that civil. <laughs> but i'll try to discourage her from that but right. uh, it was uh, she was a great resource and you know considering what she's been through various Right. A lot of support. For well, congratulations
0: up. on that. When does it actually become law? What's so it, the next it, steps?
1: That doesn't. Uh, that was second reading debate, mm-hmm. and with an election coming up, it's highly unlikely it would become law before an election. Mm-hmm. So it, it's possible, but it takes a fair amount of um, uh, the the government house leader would have to be think, see it a big priority to make to make it happen because it ha- would have to go to committee, be reported back from committee, and then have third reading debate before. It's royal assent and is proclaimed. My last two private members' bills did become law. Um, I I be I mean I'd love to see it happen before the election. I really would. Mm-hmm. I doubt it will happen, but I've also already got one of my colleagues. If he's reelected, say that he would. Uh, that's Will Bauma from Brantford has offered to bring it back in another legislature. And I was speaking with our federal member Scott yesterday, saying you know this really should be a federal <laughs> law for the country because. Waterways, etc., are really more federal jurisdiction than provincial. Right. Um, so I think he he seemed quite interested, and in, so I'm going to send him all the information, including Kara's contact, to hope that he might be able to do something. If if I'm not successful in getting this to become law right. before, well, we the 1st wish of you May. luck on
0: that. Before
1: uh, thank you, they pull the plug on everything. they're uh, when are they going to be doing that? I would expect, uh, and I'm MPP until the rid is dropped. So I think it's about the first week of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the election is June second and there's a bit of flexibility as to how many days the actual election is but i I think it's around the first of may or first week of may somewhere Mm -hmm. in there that that uh, that would happen and there's it sounds like there will be a budget which would which is now likely going to be in April. The mm-hmm. fiscal year end of the government is March 31st. sounds like the budget will be in April, and I'm sure that's kind of the launch point for the provincial election and would likely be very much what the government's running on.
0: Okay. Well, we're quickly running out of time, but I, I'm going to sort of hit you here with <laughs> some questions about uh, the emergency order that was, uh, I guess, uh, recently um made into law and then quickly taken down uh, after the, uh, I guess, uh, the, the feds had their own emergency proclamation or the Emergencies Act. And the police went in and cleared out the uh, protesters in Ottawa. But just a few days earlier, um, the province was highly involved in getting the bridge at Det- uh, Detroit and Windsor reopened. Why did, why did it take so long to have the province declare an emergency so that they could tackle some of these things?
1: So I, I think, uh, first of all, there were two emergency orders, one federal. That was the one that took the longest and really I'm not sure whether it had any effect on anything. But the provincial one very much was done before the Ambassador Bridge was cleared. And I think it was effective in in making that happen. And I'm just really happy that it happened in a peaceful way, both the ending in Ottawa and and at the Ambassador Bridge, that, you know, it's about as peaceful as you could and orderly as you could under the circumstance make something happen. Uh, You know, I certainly respect the right to protest, but I don't think it's right to... Uh, affect thousands of people's occupations by shutting down the Ambassador Bridge, hundreds of millions of dollars of trade every day, th- hundreds of thousands of jobs in the auto sector. And, uh, you know, so I think that had to be opened up. And I certainly f- feel for the people of Ottawa uh, that were three weeks sort of mm-hmm. being held hostage.
0: I think I- a lot of the action, if I want to call it that, um, was maybe uh, precipitated by the fact that the uh, Americans were getting very frustrated with. Uh, what was going on, and I think some phone calls were made.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, that Ambassador Bridge is vitally important to the province of Ontario and to the states, and it, you know, it would could have if if, if, if you know the states is looking as very buy America policies and is looking at where electric vehicles had get produced, and they could look at the borders being a problem and say, well, we'll just make them in the states and not make parts in Canada. And that's mm-hmm. the danger with that going on too long is, and as well affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Right. Having said all that, I very much appreciate the frustration of the folks involved with the convoy. You know, I'm frustrated after two years of restrictions. I'm just glad that we're we're starting to come out of it, and pretty quickly, really. When you think back, a month ago we had four thousand people in the hospitals, and now we're starting to open up fairly quickly.
0: All right, now we're quickly running out of time. I just wondered if any one last thing you want to talk about.
1: Oh, it was just nice to be able to start to go to some things in person. Uh, you know, I was at a retirement for Commander Dan Armour at the Muskoka Paramedic Centre yesterday. And it really is nice to actually get to see, even if we're, we were still wearing a mask, to see people in public. And I think I didn't realize that that's one of the very enjoyable parts of my job. And it's a way you really do learn about issues and connect with people and learn about things around the riding. Uh, but it's also enjoyable. So it's nice to be getting back to doing those things in person
0: all right well thanks very much for coming in i do appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule today and uh, hopefully you'll be back next month
1: great thanks a lot Jeff.
0: and that has been norm miller the mpp for paris Sound muskoka and i'm jeff carter this is the writing report